That's so good. Mm. Yeah. When I say it, everyone can say amen. You ready? God is so good. Amen. All right. That's how it works. Oh, dear. We've been having a great time on Wednesday nights. I just want to let you know um, at our prayer service, and, uh, you know, there's probably been 40-plus of us here, and it's been so good. And, uh, you know, when the church gathers to pray, something powerful happens. And uh, we've got uh, two weeks left in February, and if you haven't been to one yet, uh, you've got two opportunities. Don't miss it. Come along this Wednesday night. If you've been coming, keep coming. It's been great having you. And uh, we want to see this uh, place filled with people crying out to God and, and praying and uh, asking for him to move in his church and for his will to be done. I reckon everyone here wants that. If you can't make it on a Wednesday night because of work commitments or family commitments, that's okay. You pray at home and uh, you gather your family together, even if it's just for five or ten minutes, and you pray at the same time at 6.30. We'd love you to do that. All right. This is uh, week three in our vision series called Great and Awesome. And when I say great and awesome, I don't mean that we're great and awesome, of course. I mean that God is. And that phrase comes directly from Nehemiah when he prayed, and he said it multiple times. If anybody's been bothering to read through all of Nehemiah, you'll see it there. You are a great and awesome God. And that's why we've titled that um, for our vision series, because our focus is on him. We have a very clear four-part mission that we believe God has given us for this church, and we've been working our way through each, uh, one each Sunday. And so we're up to week three. We'll put them on the, um, the screen behind me here. And uh, you should know them off by heart by now, but our, our number one mission is to glorify God. That's what we do first and foremost. Everything that we do and say is to bring glory to Jesus. The second one is to embrace people. And we mean all people. And uh, if you were here last week, that was the title of that message. And we talked about how the church, uh, you know what, it's just a, an open invitation for all people. Not just in this building, but where we go throughout our week and how, where our ministries also function. We embrace all people because that's what Jesus did. And uh, we believe wholeheartedly that as they encounter Jesus through uh, the church, um, that uh, that they themselves will give their lives and, and, and discipleship will happen for them as well. If you missed that sermon, by the way, I'm pretty sure it's online already and good, got the thumbs up. And so I encourage you to go and uh, watch or listen this week. And this week we're um, going to be focused on planting seeds and then next week we're going to be talking about making disciples, more in the sense of how we grow in our faith and become fully devoted followers of Jesus. This is what we are about as his church. And I really want you to, uh, we use the word embrace, but I want you to embrace the mission to, and let it be part of us and part of you. Because it's exciting. With God's help, we can make fully devoted disciples. We can see people encounter Jesus. We can see people's lives changed and be transformed. Who wants to see that? We can multiply ourselves. We can see new churches start. We can raise up a whole new generation of leaders who are encouraged and blessed by the older generation. We can be a church who is so invested in this community we are in that if we were to close our doors for whatever reason, this neighborhood would miss us. And it's exciting to be that kind of church. On Wednesday night, 
if you were here, I was reading from Acts 2. You know, when during this prayer meeting, and that's where the church started, the Holy Spirit arrived with amazing power, and the believers, they were clothed in, in the Holy Spirit's power, and the church was born. And it didn't just kind of have a, a, start with a whimper. You know, it exploded, and thousands of people became followers of Jesus within the following days. It exploded onto the world stage and the gospel spread like crazy as thousands of people put their faith in God. And you could just sense the excitement. You know, when you read Acts chapter 2, when Luke was writing those words, you can just sense how excited he was. He wanted to tell people what had happened. It just leaps out of the page. Church is not a place for us to attend on Sundays because of tradition or to meet some kind of emotional need. It's God's instrument to spread the good news of Jesus to the whole world and to restore broken lives. It's exciting. It's also sometimes really hard work. But the two go together. Exciting hard work. <laughs> it's possible. I know you might be thinking of what you do during the week, and you go, well, that ain't that exciting. But it's hard work. Well, I'm telling you that working for Jesus is exciting hard work. It's exciting because we're part of God's plan to restore a broken world. It's hard work because we live in a culture that's decided the church and faith and God is irrelevant to them. That's the message that Nehemiah would have for us. Last week I said if he was here, his message would be that God loves broken things and that God loves to restore broken things. And that's why we embrace, embrace people like Jesus did because we love broken things. We love broken people too. And if Nehemiah was here again today, I think his message for us regarding planting seeds of the gospel would be two things. And the first is this. Before you begin, you should understand the need. Now, I'm going to read from Nehemiah chapter 2. I'm kind of hoping that you've been here for the last couple of weeks to understand where we're jumping in. But real, real quickly, Nehemiah is in Babylon with all of his Jewish friends who are in exile and the rebuilding of Jerusalem is going really badly and he cries out to God over days and he fasts and he prays and God answers him and he says, God, you need to, for the king to give me some favour so that I can go back to Jerusalem and oversee. And the, when he goes to the king, he not only shows him favour, he gives him resources and people and stuff like that for safety. And so um, that prayer was answered in a miraculous way. So now we're, we're back in Jerusalem. Nehemiah is there, and this is what he said in verse 11. So I arrived in Jerusalem, and three days later I slipped out during the night, taking only a few others with me. I had not told anyone about the plans God had put in my heart for Jerusalem. We took no pack animals with us except the donkey I was riding. After dark, I was out through the valley gate past the jackal's well and over the dung gate to inspect the broken walls and burned gate. It was almost like going on a treasure for a hunt for a second there, wasn't it? You know, over these and over there. It's like when you have to go to the cubby. It's, it's going on an adventure. Then I, then I went to the fountain gate and to the king's pool, but my donkey couldn't get through the rubble. So in case you've missed it, Jerusalem is a mess. It's been destroyed. So though it was still dark, I went up the Kidron Valley instead inspecting the wall before I turned back and entered again at the valley gate. You know, our mission is to plant seeds of the gospel and make fully devoted disciples of Christ. 
And we need to begin by knowing what the task is at hand. We need to know the people in our community around us, outside of the church, right? We need to understand their needs. Like Nehemiah, we need to survey what is before us to guide us on how we respond. We need to know what our community's views are on the church and faith. We need to know what their needs are and how we can meet them in order to show them love and mercy and to connect them to Jesus. We need to know how to invest in our property and engage our community better. We need to understand the condition of suburban Australia so that we can get to work effectively. And the good news is that there is someone who has taken the time in Australia to actually do that work and to ask those questions for us. And I've mentioned him before. His name is Mark McCrindle. He's a well-known social researcher, and you may have seen him on some TV shows. Sometimes he appears in the morning on Sunrise and whatnot. He just so happens to be a Christian. Now, I've shown this information before that he's produced, and I've got some new things to show this morning. And it, this is a, a basically a snapshot of views of non-church-going Australians. Okay, So when we look at some of this information, you've got to keep that in mind. That's not us who got surveyed. It's non-church-going Australians' views on the church and what their needs are. I want to show it to you today so that we can do a survey of the state of the walls, so to speak. Do you know what I mean? You know, we're having a look at the walls before we take more steps and action. It's a great way to know what those in our community are thinking and how we can help meet their needs, how we can plant seeds of the gospel. So here's the first image I want to show you this morning. Now, hopefully all of these line up with what I've got in my notes, and so we'll make our way through that. But uh, you'll see here the religion in Australia. This is from the, the census, right? And what you notice is a trend. No religion is climbing fast in this country. Do you see that there in 2016? We've gone from 18% to 30% in just 10 years. Here's the second image that's interesting. Church attendance in Australia. This one is a few years old. 8% of Australians go to church at least once, just once per month. So that makes 92% of Australians are non-church goers. Whatever that means, whatever that means about their faith, maybe we can make some assumptions. It might be a little bit difficult at times. But only 8%. I think that sounds about right, don't you? 8% of Australians we'd probably classify as Christians. Uh, although when they do this, the, uh, the survey, it's something quite close to 50 would actually mark that box. The top six reasons Australians don't go to church. This one is always so interesting to me. Number one is this, that it's irrelevant to my life, 47%. Then the others include things like don't accept how it's taught, it has an outdated style, there's issues with the clergy or the ministers, they don't believe the Bible, um, or they're just too busy to attend. These are non-churchgoers, this is why they won't go to church. The number one reason is the church is irrelevant to most Australians. The next image is Australian attitudes to Christianity. This one gives us a lot of hope. There you have all of um, the different thoughts on, on what people think of Christianity. Here's some good news. Only 26% of Australians are cool towards Christianity. The rest are either neutral, warm, or actually accepted. That's good news, isn't it? Here's the next one, facilities that meet my needs. 
asked of non-Christians. I just want to focus on the right-hand column because this is the left one is what they think the community might need. The right one is what they said, my needs. So this is what people themselves said. I wanted to stop on this one for a moment because it's very interesting and it speaks to the purpose of some of the, the plans that we've been developing here. Some of our strategic planning when it comes to our master plan for this property over the next five to ten years is to invest into a design and thoughts that go way beyond those who, who just meet here, us here on a Sunday for worship and discipleship. Because we have a dream to see a property that meets the needs of our community around us and not just the community inside the four walls. Our dream is to extend our roots into our community in lots of different ways, and one of them is how we actually plan our property out. But this helps us to know what people need and want right here behind me. We want to engage our community so that we can embrace them, plant seeds, and make disciples. So this graphic is important because you'll notice some of the top needs listed on the right-hand side match perfectly with what we are hoping and planning to do. And remember, this is from non-church-going Australians. Number one is parkland. Very interesting that that's the number one need that they list. You know, we've got a vision to open up space along Bennett's Road into parkland that is open to those who live around us. And also to include a really good playground and, and even a pathway that allows people to go through our whole property as part of um, networking this community or the neighbourhood better. So when we look at the next image, you might have seen this one last week, you'll see that um, there's an image of where we're coming from Bennett's Road here, and this is what we're hoping... There it is. This is what we want it to be. We want it to be open and inviting, and, and the people who live around us can actually come and use this space. There's something that they can actually come to, instead of a big green tall fence with a, a, a chain around it, which we have at the moment down there, right? So we'd like to see that happen, because one of the number one uh, needs was some parkland and some space. And then the next image just gives you a little bit of another view of what it might be like. It may not look exactly like that, of course. This is just some thoughts at the moment. But a space where people can take their kids, where they can uh, enjoy it, and, and they would be welcome and invited to be here. In fact, the council has designated this property as community space. And uh, I think it would be great to see it used like that. And that means opening it up. It means spaces that aren't limited to just the needs of us here, but to those around us. You know, they have a desire, and they've told us, and we've met with the council, to have walkable communities. That means that there's things that they can just go to that are nearby, like little hubs and things like that, that they don't necessarily have to get in the car to get to. We want to open up both ends of our property to, um, to make that possible. Back to um, image five. Yeah. Number two on their list is a food and cafe precinct. This is what people have said. Oh, if someone was to build something, we'd like it to be a cafe or a food precinct. Well, I'm pretty happy about that. Because I like cafes and food precincts. <laughs> cafes are now considered community spaces. It's listed in um, the council's planning for this area here. Everton Hills is designated a next-gen precinct. And one of the things they said is it lacks community spaces. And one of the things they said is, is uh, hubs. Number three is local shopping villages. Number seven is commu a community facility. That really plays into what we would love to see more of. 
Number nine is a park with play equipment, kind of covered that one already. Number 12 is a youth centre. Number 13 is a church. Sadly, kind of towards the bottom. <laughs> number one, two, three, seven, nine, 12 and 13 are all within our radar for our property development. And some of these others are also long-term possibilities for us. We're talking about a different kind of church. Instead of just a traditional church where we have the four walls and an office and a car park, which is what most churches look like, we're talking about something that's different. We're very interested in this property becoming part of the life of our neighbourhood. Mark McCrindle also notes that the community gathering places have changed over the years. Where once the church was the, uh, the local gathering place, guess what it is now? Let's have a look. There's a graphic for that one as well. The local shopping centre. <laughs> 39% said that's my community hub. The church, 5% is where our community hub is. Shopping centres are quickly becoming the go-to place, especially for Generation Y and Z. 39% says I want to do my community there. And yet now take a look at uh, which group has the largest number of buildings in this country. Next slide. Boom. 12,400 churches, 5% consider it the community hub. The church has the most buildings, yet only 5% see it that way. Westfield has done a better job at creating community spaces than the church has. All right. Next graphic is... Um, services that meet my needs. So again, non-church people ask, well, what are the services that would meet your needs that a church could provide? This one's really interesting, remembering that this is a question to non-church attenders. Number one is financial seminars and advice. We do this. We already help several families every month through our CAP Debt Centre. It's my hope that we can run the CAP budgeting classes more and more into the future. It's actually a very big opportunity for us when you consider people say, that's my number one need. Number two is employment support and job skills training. We're yet to get this off the ground, but I've got a dream that one day we will. Number three is seminars and social activities for seniors. Well, there's an opportunity for us to think about. Number four is counselling and crisis support. That seems to fit well with us, doesn't it? If you didn't know, we've been counselling here for 20 years. Um, we have two um, paid counsellors, and Chris is here, and I think I saw Karen somewhere before. Yeah, there you are. Hi, Karen. And then there's a number of volunteers as well. And every week we see dozens of people, mostly from outside of the church, come in and get professional counselling. This is number four listed as, um, as, an, as a need. And there may be opportunities for, the, for us to take this even further yet. Number five is relationship seminars and support. Hey, we've started doing those. In fact, next term we're doing Alpha Marriage here. But Alpha Marriage... It's going to be great for you guys, by the way. I invite you to come. And you'll hear about that next week for our small group sign-up. Um, but Alpha Marriage is actually open to everybody, not just those within the church. Play groups, Julie, how good? Yeah, youth groups, parenting seminars, already doing some. We've been running Triple P off and on for the last couple of years. Number nine is spiritual input. Well, that one we do. And number 10 is English classes. And I'd just like to let you know that that one is about to start for us. And I'm pretty excited to, to let you know that um, Natalie Roberts is um, going to be starting some free English classes on this property, probably up 
in the cafe area or something like that. We haven't quite nailed that down yet. Starting in March, and the invitation's going to be out there for um, those who, you know, perhaps English is their second language and they want to improve their English skills. And it's a great opportunity for us to meet that need, but also plant seeds of the gospel. I'm going to let you know some more about that in coming weeks. But be excited about that. So we do a lot of these things, and the ones that we don't, we have the opportunity to. This is why the new building on Queens Road, it excites me. Let me show you that one again. This is what it looks like. Well, we hope. <laughs> we don't know yet, but it, this is where we're heading, you know, and, and um, you know, that looks like an expensive building, and it is. <laughs> Let me just show you a couple more quick ones, just moving in a little bit. There's a cafe, anyone notice? How good is that going to be? If we go in one more step, you'll see an op shop there as well. And there's actually an opportunity for, for us there um, to use some other spaces, to utilize some other spaces for some of those things that we just, we just mentioned. The cafe, the op shop, there's some spots there that we can actually possibly lease out to others to help us, because remember I just said that's an expensive building. We can lease out some spaces to help us actually make that expensive building possible. We've already got the quantity surveyor looking at that, and he says it's actually looking pretty good. But then we're going to have this, the community support space. This, this is going to be where we can actually get in there and do things to help people in this community and meet their needs. Now, I know that we need to go out as well. I know that it's not all just done on this property. I understand all that. But we've got a great um, resource here that we can also use. So I see that um, particular space being used for things like alpha marriage, triple P parenting classes, addictions recovery, cat budgeting, job clubs, community support groups, the free English classes, um, immigrant support. There are endless opportunities for that space and there's also opportunities for us to allow other community groups to use it as well. And I think that it's a good location for that kind of thing. Now don't worry, most of these things that, we, uh, that I just talked about. We're not waiting for a new building. We're already underway with a lot of those things. Okay? It's not just about having a building. I'm just trying to show you that we have a great opportunity to enhance even more what we're already doing. It'll make these programs even better and available and effective. And it gives the future generations even more opportunities that we may not even think of right now. It's to embrace all people. It's, it's about putting our roots out more into our neighbourhood, embracing all people, showing love, mercy and justice. That's what Christians do because that's what God does. Love, mercy and justice. It's to facilitate planting seeds of the gospel, building relationships, having spiritual conversations. Through all of those things, there's an invitation to Alpha so that we are making disciples, fully devoted disciples. We do that with the leading and power of the Holy Spirit, which brings me to the second thing I believe Nehemiah will say. If he was here today, here's what he would say to us. Don't just talk about God's mission. Pick up a shovel and get to work. Verse 16, the city officials did not know I had been out there or what I was doing, for I had not yet said anything to anyone about my plans. I had not yet spoken to the Jewish leaders, the priests, the nobles, the officials, or anyone else in the administration. But now I said to them, you know very well what trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates 
have been destroyed by fire. Let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and end this disgrace. Then I told them about how the gracious hand of God had been on me and about my conversation with the king, which is what we've been looking at in previous weeks. And they replied at once, yes, let's build the wall. So they began the good work. You know, they agreed to do the task before them and they saw it as good, as good work. And that's the lesson for us today. We want to make disciples to bring glory to God. But talking about it is, quite frankly, meaningless without action. You know, Lex used to always say, um, talk is cheap. And the church can be good at that. <laughs> we can talk ourselves to death sometimes. But we actually have to put it into action, what we're saying so today is a call to action. The good news is that you don't have to do everything. Who's glad about that? Yeah, I thought I'd get a response from that. You just have to do the bit that God has gifted and called you to do. That's why we are all here together with a variety of gifts and talents and passions all the way through this church. You do the bit that God has gifted you and called you to do and the whole package works. The body works. You see before you a vision for a church that is engaging with its community and it takes opportunities all the time to plant seeds. If you're wondering what I mean by plant seeds, by the way, I borrow this term from Jesus himself. He told the parable of the seeds or the, the sower. This is what he said. One day Jesus told a story in the form of a parable to a large crowd that had gathered from many towns to hear him. A farmer went out to plant his seed, and as he scattered it across his field, some seed fell on a footpath where it was stepped on and the birds ate it. Other seed fell among rocks. It began to grow, but the plant soon wilted and died for lack of moisture. It didn't have any watering done. Other seed fell among thorns and grew up with it, and it choked out the tender plants, and still other seed fell on fertile soil. The seed grew and produced a crop that was a hundred times as much as had been planted. When he had said this, he called out, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Verse 11. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is God's word. The seeds that fell on the footpath represent those who hear the message only to have the devil come and take it away from their hearts and prevent them from believing and being saved. The seeds on the rocky soil represent those who hear the message and they receive it with joy, but since they don't have deep roots, they believe for a while, then they fall away when they face temptation. The seed that fell among the thorns represent those who hear the message, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the cares and riches and pleasures of this life. And so they never actually grow into maturity. You know, they stay an immature Christian. The seeds that fell on the good soil represent honest, good-hearted people who hear God's word. They cling to it and they patiently produce a huge harvest. The seed is the gospel, or the, um, you know, the, the word about Jesus, the good news of him. And Jesus explains the results of planting seeds. The point is that not everyone who hears the message of Jesus from our seed sowing, they're not going to receive it. They're not going to grow into mature disciples. But the key point here is that someone must be sowing the seed for the opportunity for it to be watered and to grow and become those mature Christians in that last category there. You might have noticed there was four categories and three of them actually um, involved Christians. One of them lacked water and slowly died away. And one of them actually 
probably stayed Christians their whole life, but they, they failed to reach like a mature status. And the last one actually grew up and became a mature disciple, a fully devoted disciple of Jesus. Paul reinforced this seed planting and also watering role in his letter to the, to the Corinthians. Here's what he said. I plant the seeds in your hearts. Apollos watered it. God made it grow. It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. The one who plants and the one who waters work together with the same purpose. And both will be rewarded for their own hard work. Well, that's, isn't that good? There's actually a reward for this hard work. That remember I said it was hard work back at the beginning? Seed planting and watering is what we're about. And God even promises a reward for those who do that. I believe wholeheartedly that this church is full of people who really want to tell people about Jesus and give them a chance to know about his love for them. And I know you all agree with me that planting seeds is something that we should want to do. God is longing for us to do that and he is willing and waiting to help us to do it. You know, I know many of you um, boldly invited some friends to Alpha for some of you, they said yes, and they're coming, and it's been so great. Um, but some of you, um, they said either said no, or they said yes and didn't show up. And I just wanted to just, uh, let you know this morning that I'm proud of you for doing that. You still boldly asked and invited someone. You took an opportunity and you planted a seed. It may not have got watered this time, but I believe there will be another chance for you. You know, by the way, um, the Alpha people who run it they tell me that their uh, research has showed that one in five people who get invited say yes and come. That's better than you, than, than you might think. You might think that doesn't sound very good. Actually, that is very good. One in five. You imagine if 200 of us here invited someone to the next Alpha series, that's 40 people doing Alpha and a seed planted and many others who may, not have, who may have said no, not this time. It's an important message you need to know today when it comes to planting seeds or sharing your faith. Jesus wants to help you tell people about him. Jesus wants to help you invite someone to church or Alpha. I don't know if you quite heard what I just said. God wants to help you do this, to plant seeds. Paul knew that Jesus wants to help, and that's why he prayed this prayer, and he asked others to pray it for him. In Colossians 4.3, I've met... I've Shared it many times, but here it is. Pray for us too that God will give us many opportunities to speak about his mysterious plan concerning Christ. I hope you're still praying that prayer since we last talked about it. Some of you have told me you've had an answer to that prayer and that doors have opened for you to, to share about Christ, like Paul said. And I want to encourage you to please keep praying that prayer. This is the thing. God wants to help you. He wants to bring you the opportunity. You don't have to walk out into the world and just hope something happens. God wants to help you. Pray for it in the morning, then keep praying throughout the day. You know, small group leaders, if you're here this morning, this year, I want you to be doing that prayer in your small groups and asking each other how it's going. Did God bring you that opportunity? Yes. Did you take it? No, that's okay, let's pray again for another one. Or if it's yes, what happened? They said no, that's okay, let's pray for another one. 
I want to give you three simple steps for planting seeds. Number one is this, pray continuously for that opportunity. I mean pray earnestly, in faith. This is God's will so you can expect him to answer. Number two, look for the opportunity, and I mean really look. You know, when you're sitting at the lunchroom table at work or if you're in a taxi or an Uber or you're out to lunch with friends, maybe you're in a shopping centre engaging with someone somewhere or you're in the, the cafe talking to the barista, family gatherings, paying for your fuel. If someone calls you out of the blue, if you're, perhaps you're, you're playing sport, whatever that is, look for an opportunity because if you've been praying, I think you'll see it. And I think the reason we don't is because we don't actively look and not, we're not thinking about it. I wonder what the opportunities are that are coming my way that I prayed for this morning. One thing I love hearing from the, um, the YWAMers is how they do these ministry times. They get together, they have no agenda except for the Holy Spirit's agenda. Where will we go today? And they pray and pray and pray until they get this sense. We need to go there in a city or a train station or whatever it is. And they get there and they pray and pray. What's the next step, God? Who are you going to bring our way? And sometimes it's clearer than others, but they're always looking and the opportunities come. They actually take a day out to do that. The next step is to take the opportunity. That seems obvious. <laughs> Knowing God is helping you. Remember, I'm talking about something that is very simple and achievable by everyone here today. You're just planting seeds. You know, God is the one that saves people, church. <laughs> You're just planting the seeds and let the Holy Spirit grow. Sometimes you don't even have to use words. Sometimes it's an act of kindness and compassion that people just notice. I wonder why they do that loving thing that others don't do. But, you know, often it is words. It can be as simple as answering someone's question about what you did on the weekend. How many times have you been asked that question and you avoided the church answer? <laughs> okay, just me. <laughs> it's actually an opportunity. I was at church on Sunday morning. I don't miss it. Why? Door opened. That door opens, walk through. Here's a great question that I've used a few times myself. I feel like God's brought someone across my path. I just say, hey, do you have any spiritual beliefs yourself? And let them share. Often it opens the door. Let them share without judgment. And don't be shocked at the things they might say. Pray for an opportunity. Look for the opportunities. They will be around you and take the opportunity. If that door is opened, don't be scared about the things you don't know, the best thing you can share is your experience with Jesus. Most of you here today have experienced a life of freedom and peace that Jesus has brought into your life. You know, we've literally seen the light. <laughs> we've received it, and now the light lives in us. But it is not for us to keep hidden for ourselves. That is not only an act of disobedience of our God, it's an unloving thing to do when we don't share it with someone. Here's what Jesus said in John 4. You know the saying, four months between planting and harvest, but I say, wake up. 
Look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. The harvesters are paid good wages. And the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. And what joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike. You know the saying, one plants and another harvests, and it's true. And I sent you to harvest where you didn't plant. Others had already done the work, and now you will get to gather the harvest. You know, church, it's time for us to plant and gather the harvest. So will we go? This morning, we're going to stand in a moment and sing. And at the conclusion of that song, uh, myself and Pastor Steve and Warwick, um, Pastor Adam's out with the youth this morning, are going to pray here at the front. Just the three of us. So prayer team, you've got a morning off, unless you want to pray from your seats. And I'm just going to invite you, um, after we've sung, before you leave, to come and see one of us, and we're going to pray for you that you will have opportunities this week and beyond. Just a very short prayer. It is not scary, church. Okay? You don't have to say anything even. <laughs> you just stand before us. We might put a hand on your shoulder and we're just going to we're going to ask God this week and beyond bring an opportunity to to Shelley that she can either reflect love or, or even talk about God to somebody. Open a door for her in Jesus name. Amen. All right? That'll be it. I'm looking around here. I'm seeing maybe 170 to 180 adults here, okay? The kids have already gone out. I would like to see 170 to 180 people come forward for prayer this morning. Do you hear what I'm saying? You line up. It'll be fast. <laughs> but God can work fast. He can. And we might pray for boldness for you as well, if that's what's needed. If you've got another need, don't stop there and give us that need at that moment. We can pray later, okay? We want everyone here this morning to be prayed for because I want to hear from you this week if something happens. You can email me, text me, call me, whatever it is, even if it didn't go well, even if you didn't take the opportunity that came your way, but you saw an opportunity and God answered that prayer, we need to know, okay? Because that means, it confirms exactly what I'm saying here this morning. God is interested in all of you sharing your faith with someone this week. It's worth sharing. In fact, we're told to. All right, so here's what I'm going to do, because I, what I don't want to do is get to the end and no one comes forward. So... Who's going to get prayed for this morning? Let's do more. Let's do more. Come on, hands up. Who's going to get prayed for this morning? Let's do some more. Let's get these hands up. Come on, who's going to get prayed for this morning? All right. <laughs> Sorry, but let's do it. Let's do it, church. All right, team, come on. Come forward. I'm going to pray, and we're going to sing, and then we're going to, sh we're going to pray again. Lord... You want us to do this. You call us to do it. And, um, and we believe wholeheartedly that you're interested in, in making it possible for us. We want to be planting seeds everywhere, God. Quite frankly, Lord, we want to see your church filled with people encountering you for the first time. That was a, that was a yes, by the way. <laughs> Lord, we come before you now. You are a great and awesome God. You are great and awesome.
And your love is great for us. And Lord, I don't want people to miss out. And you don't want people to miss out either. You've given us a clear commissioning to go. And so this morning, God, we, we are, I, I'm praying, Lord, that you're just speaking all of our hearts. Isn't, even as we sit here now, that you will just build inside us a, a stronger desire to share your love with others, to share the good news of the gospel with other people. And the good news is, God, that you do this for us. You work through us. You work in other lives. Lord, we acknowledge your, your great love. And I thank you that you love even me. That you love me. We thank you, Lord, that you came to earth from heaven. And you did it for all of us here this morning. Gave up the privileges of heaven showed us the way, died on the cross, rose again for us, ascended into heaven, sitting at the Father's right hand, interceding on our behalf today. Thank you, Lord. Lord, help the gospel to go forth from Hills Church. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and sing.